The beetle or the Nama desert beetle in particular was really fascinating for me through the research that I made with aquatecture because it's a self-sustaining organism. This is Chakrachisat. So this desert beetle is living in the desert and he's really designed to take care of his own water needs. And I found that so beautiful because he's this little creature, he or she, and and just walking around the desert and there is no water. I mean, nothing around. And, And at the end of the day, when temperatures are changing and things are getting cooler, this beetle finds the fog and lifts Uh, lifts his back up to the fog and he has these bumps on his back and the fog moves through these bumps and gets cooler so there's a temperature decrease and as it gets cooled down water vapor turns to water literally on his back and the drops then fall over his legs into his mouth and he literally drinks in that way and that is astonishing And I thought this was so beautiful and so amazing that he's really a decentralized kind of water system within the desert. And so if our buildings could start to behave in that way, taking care of their own water needs and as much as each building needed, I think we would already get somewhere. This podcast is brought to you by Jojo, a proud supporter of South Africa's water activists and a proud supplier of water solutions for a better quality of life. By protecting our most precious resource, Jojo's quality products help to safeguard the well-being of people, communities and the environment. Please enjoy today's episode, a celebration of all things water and the people working tirelessly to protect it. You're listening to For Water, For Life, the podcast that tells extraordinary stories of ordinary people and water. They've made it their mission to preserve, purify and protect the water supply where we live in a water-scarce and unequal country called South Africa. I'm Michelle Constant. And I'm Kukule Tumslungo. Today's water warrior, Shakira Jassad, was born in South Africa where she started out as an interior architect, reimagining how buildings use water. She now lives in the Netherlands where she's founded Studio Sway. The studio works on projects that meet science, philosophy and design. I decided to leave architecture because I really wanted to work with materials and work with my hands. And so I went back to the basics and just went really into crafts and thought, you know, I would really be working with uh, traditional materials like wood or leather or textiles. And when I actually started going down that road, my fascinations mainly took me towards natural materials. And so I started really thinking about water, working with water. I was really fascinated with this material from the early stages. The common thread throughout Shakira's career is a focus on water as a material for design. Shakira thinks differently about water, using innovative practice and biomimicry. She imitates nature to reimagine how we use and increase access to water. 
And so I always try to incorporate it in my work or do something with it from either a meditative perspective or creative perspective, but also looking at it from a very factual perspective and what is it and how do we live with it? And while I was uh, still doing studies, I, um, yeah, Cape Town was going through this major drought, which was quite crazy to kind of imagine and see also what was happening. spoken quite often on this podcast about Cape Town's Day Zero. In 2018, the city on the western coast of South Africa had to ration household water use after years of drought. Day Zero loomed when the taps would be turned off. The crisis was averted, but it bred many innovative new water conservation practices. And so I wanted to work with water then in a different way. And that was when I started looking beyond just daily water usage, because that was kind of the spotlight during the day zero drought that we really were focused on this 50 liters of water per person per day. And so I wanted to look beyond that and look a bit at the hidden water. It was at this point that Shakira thought about how one could harvest not just water, but moisture that we find in the air, like the Namib beetle. I think it was that moment of walking on wet grass that was really trying to find every source of possible water in the city environment or in my immediate surroundings and imagining that I didn't have a tap uh, in my place. Then what would I do as this urban girl? You know, what, what do you do if you don't have a tap? And then you walk around and you're like, where are actually our natural sources of water? And you will be so surprised that there's water all around us even in the air around us there is it's filled with vapor so it may be in a different state but there's water literally in front of your face right now and so when I saw that windows were were getting wet in the morning and this is through phase exchanges because of temperature differences between the night and the and the day and vapor turns to liquid and I thought wow like you know we we see this dew on the grass but do we really know what is going on there and so I started walking on, on the wet grass to try to harvest the dew with my socks. <laughs> and that was quite an interesting experience. And this was the birth of Aquatecture, one of Shakira's biggest projects to date. As the name implies, it draws on the relationship between water and architecture in urban areas. Imagine a large panel that looks a bit like a giant cheese grater. It has teardrop-shaped slots cut into it, the cut-out material standing upwards. This protruding slot does almost what a bum on a desert beetle's back does. It gathers water until it forms drops that drip into the slot opening. And with architecture, that really was it. It was looking at architecture with a fresh set of eyes. And being an architect or having a study in architecture, I kind of have a background already in, in uh, the design of buildings and how they ought to work. And so I just looked at it again through this understanding of water. And then it became a totally different um output altogether. And so with aquatecture, I think design played a very critical role in how to understand water and how then to design for 
that water in relation to how we live also with it. So what I'm trying to get at is that it's quite systematic. It's not in isolation so that, that when something is done, you need to understand that there is something else that is affecting it or it is affecting something else. Aquatecture panels can be installed on the outside of buildings to harvest water that would usually run down the side as it rains. Ultimately, aquatecture can be used to create water harvesting nodes seamlessly throughout a city. In fact, the technology is currently being tested at the VNA waterfront, one of Cape Town's biggest shopping and lifestyle complexes and a major tourist attraction. And yeah, I think with aquatecture is also interesting because it's really for the urban environment, the whole aesthetic, the materials, everything has been designed for the urban environment. But that's also interesting to understand how this would take shape in other scenarios as well. I think that has been one of the things I learned with aquatecture is that you could have something and we have them all around us that is really functional, that it's really working, that it's really helping your daily life. And uh, for example, like the tap in your kitchen, you know, it's, it's there, it's so present, yet it's so absent. The research and development phase of aquatecture has also gone international. Besides South Africa, it's also being piloted in the Netherlands. So we're literally comparing information between two countries. And that's also because, let's say, two hemispheres. And that's also because weather and climate is changing so vastly around the world. And I think it's uh, to be more in tune with how things are changing and how we also have to adapt. Um, and that's the reason for having two pilots. And to really understand the weather and climate around uh, what I've designed I mean, it would be lovely to have it been used already, but I think that we just reach an unpredictable state with the forces around us. And so it's more taking time to understand how it reacts with the environment around it and whether it's effective enough. Important to Shakira is that this is not just beautiful design that adds aesthetic texture to the outside of a building. Uh, it works, it's functional, because I think that a lot of people would love to have aquatecture because it looks the way it does. And it's quite different from uh, traditional um, harvesting equipment, let's say. And that is one thing that kind of would get them to harvest water. So it's their perception and their relationship with a piece like aquatecture. So that's one thing I learned is that how do you also not only make something super functional and, and that it only works, but that you also start letting people have these relationships with these pieces around them because then it becomes more than just an object in space. Shakira's work is focused on the changing of traditional systems, like harvesting rainwater by gutters and pipes from the roof, as we move forward in a rapidly changing world. At first I thought, you know, it's really amazing to be able to create and give shape to something. Uh, but now more and more I realize that actually it's really to 
to have a better future. And, and that's more from the point of view of how can we do things that are not going well differently. And that's because I do believe deep in my heart that it hopefully can, can make a change uh, to current systems. A challenge like Cape Town's drought helped shape aquitecture. Another challenge, the global coronavirus pandemic, helped give it further perspective for Shakira. I think, you know, with the pandemic, it's also been interesting because it felt really um, like the world was coming to an end at, at the beginning. But we also realized that it's kind of turning all these uh, traditional conventional systems a little bit upside down. And that's exactly what we needed to really throw things over and, and shake things up um, so that we can really question what is happening around us and, and why. And hopefully from there we could regenerate the future. And I, I really think that, that being a creative is the best place for that regeneration. So while people like Shakira in the private sector are attempting to reimagine a future where water is available from diverse sources, Rulani Shinguignana is also working for public good, assisting with water infrastructure, using technology and innovative processes. Rulani is part of a team at the CSIR, the Council for Scientific and Industrial Research in South Africa. The team is called the Water and Wastewater Infrastructure Research Group. One of their fields of interest is innovative technologies to increase access to water. And one particular area of innovation is spring water harvesting. South Africa has come a long way to effect the distribution of water to communities. And here we're talking also so much about the disadvantaged communities. South Africa is still a largely unequal country with township and rural areas lacking access to infrastructure, which makes the rollout of these water saving and harvesting measures more complicated. Because of the rural setting, it's still very difficult or not cost effective enough to reach some faraway places. And now it compels government to find innovative ways in which they are able to supply water to these areas. We've been working also with the development banks to see if we can find pilot cases or initiate pilot cases to showcase exactly how spring water can be used, harvested safely and, and, and reticulated of course, depending on the setting, sometimes you reach the RDP standard as per the Department of Human Settlement, which is like 200 meters from each household. RDP is the Reconstruction and Development Program that was deployed by South Africa's new government after democracy in 1994. Its goal was to bring infrastructural equality to the country. But that is not always the case. Unfortunately, in some cases, you still have people walking a bit further. Spring water flows from an underground aquifer. It flows naturally to the Earth's surface, or it can be collected through a borehole that's drilled down into the aquifer. Spring water has been purified over time underground, where soil and rocks act as filters. Because it is not reliant on annual rainfall, it is a reliable source of water all year round. So we have concluded pilot cases uh, in Limpopo and we have done so also in uh, the Eastern Cape. We still looking prospecting in uh, the KZN and also again in Limpopo. There's a huge potential in this area. 
Limpopo, the Eastern Cape and KwaZulu-Natal are provinces in the country with large rural populations. Rulani's team work to identify sources of spring water to protect these underground aquifers and then to access it on the surface or through boreholes. If needs be, it is further purified and then it's also treated, the same way as the CSIR unit treats and reclaims water from mining areas. So we take the water from the spring, we build a, a civil structure, pull the water, take it from one point to the next, and then go and contain it in a tank. In this tank, we're able then to proceed and add a disinfectant, the safest being chlorine. And then from then on, you can decide whether you take it to a communal tap downstream or you can have it being sent up again using a pump. This is where we work closely with the community to find out what it is that works from the point of maintenance, but also from the cost aspect to run the pump um, and also maybe looking at uh, theft and vandalism because that's a reality that we live in. In his work focusing on spring water harvesting, Rulani highlights the need for a social compact between all the stakeholders and partners. It doesn't help if the infrastructure is just put in place to gather this water. It must be protected and implemented by everyone, individual households, community leaders and municipalities. These people working together for a common goal, it can have huge positive implications for the water sector. It's for the audience then to give their take, contribute their part and be champions in their own right so that we can achieve our goal of increased supply but with a sustainable approach to the water. I'll just say that, you know, we appreciate where it has put us because it has built industries, it has built families, it has built civilizations. And we, we, we want for water to be around for millennia to come. Rulani's sentiments are echoed by Shakira. What do I have to say to the water? Thank you. It, it has given me so much. I think I've gained so much from it, not only in my work and, you know, just trying to understand it. It has brought in the last three years a lot to my work, for sure. So in that sense, really, thank you for being my collaborator. But that I hope that we would be able to have a unity with you. And that's, that's my word for water. I think it would be really lovely to be united with water. Talking of being one with water, for decades, British South African swimmer and climate change activist Lewis Pugh has drawn attention to the plight of the oceans through endurance swimming. He's swum in the freezing cold in the North Pole, across a glacial lake on Mount Everest, and under the Antarctic ice sheet. Last year, he swam the Ilulisat ice fjord in the Arctic Circle, a World Heritage Site. I mean, to be in Ilulisat, you only hear three sounds. You hear the wind. You hear the Greenlandic dogs or the huskies barking, especially when it comes to dinner time. So all the Inuit uh, hunters and fishermen, they all have big packs of huskies outside their huts. But the last sound you hear is obviously the crashing of these icebergs and the carving of these icebergs of the glacier. 
And when you're swimming, what you hear though, when you put your head in the water, is the, the sound, the bubbling sound of air that was trapped in that ice thousands and thousands of years ago being released. And it sounds a little bit like Rice Krispies. Join endurance swimmer Lewis Pugh in this episode of For Water for Life as he raises awareness about water and climate change. I'm Gugule Tumtlungu. And I'm Michelle Constant. Thanks for listening. All our podcasts are available at jojo.co.za. The series was made possible because of Jojo. For Water for Life. Find us on social media at For Water for Life and share your water stories using the hashtag Listen to the Water. Because if you do, it can change your life. From the Jojo family to yours, we hope you enjoyed this episode of For Water for Life. Whether you're looking for top quality storage tanks, water filters, or other water solutions, Jojo has the product ideal for you. Discover our range at jojo.co.za and find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram for all the latest product news and water related content.